0: This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Rev. J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. On this platform, we, we aim to bring relevancy from the biblical text, while bringing clarity to our own religious experience. Our topic for discussion today comes in the form of a question, and that question is this. Can embracing the gospel heal our shame? Can embracing the gospel heal our shame? So let's begin our talk today with a with an attempt to define shame. And a simple dictionary inquiry will, will offer this. Shame is a, a painful emotion caused by Consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, or impropriety. Shame is a condition of humiliating disgrace or disrepute. Shame is something that brings censure or reproach. Shame is the painful emotion that is caused by a consciousness of guilt, failure that often results in the paralyzing conviction or belief that one is worthless, that one is of no value to others or to God, unacceptable and altogether deserving of disdain and rejection. Now there's a book, a recommended reading, it's God's Unconditional Love, Healing Our Shame by Wilkie and Noreen Cannon All. I'm not sure of the pronunciation of the last name. It is spelled A-U. Forgive me for the mispronunciation. But in that book, we find this, their offering, trying to explain shame. They say, shame is the feeling that we are unworthy, and it seeps into everyone's life. All of us have feelings of inadequacy and secretly fear that there's something wrong with us, that we're not smart enough, not successful enough, not rich enough, not interesting enough, not good-looking enough, not good enough to be loved for who we are. Shame causes us to lose faith in ourselves and to believe that there's something fundamentally wrong with us, and to believe that unless we pretend to be someone other than who we are, that people will find us out and reject us. The authors of that book declare that we have come to believe that shame is at the heart of most emotional and spiritual struggles. Now, I like this idea. I fully support this idea. Because, you know, spiritually, shame will help us to resist God. It brings, introduces fear into our our life and and makes us think that we're unlovable. We begin to think that God will reject us, but we should further explore how, how does God really feel about us? How does the way God feels about us compare with how we feel about ourselves? Is God present in the midst of our struggles and shame? Or is there a way that we can encounter God that brings healing, forgiveness and wholeness? And as I offer it as a subject as we or can we embrace the gospel in a way that heals our shame? So the authors of this book they they use a scripture to make a point, as an illustration, the scripture comes from the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, verses 13 to 16, and I'll read it. The scripture says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. It's it's quite revealing that that portion of scripture is followed by a man running up to Jesus falling on his knees and saying what must I do to inherit eternal life? But the writers of this book God's Unconditional Love Healing Our Shame they say that compassion towards oneself entails being empathic and caring of one's inner child. It was the children who were stopped by the religious people from coming to Jesus. And our authors suggest that psychologically the notion of the inner child refers to emotional memories that are stored within and carry the lingering pain of unresolved childhood wounds. So the inner child represents a, a vulnerable aspect of ourselves that we tend to abandon because we are ashamed of it. And as adults we need to recognize this neglected inner child and develop a healing relationship with it. A metaphor for our vulnerability, the inner child needs to be seen, soothed, and loved. Now, it's interesting that in this story, the disciples of Jesus were the ones who rebuked The children and told them to stay back. And, you know, in other words, don't bother Jesus. He's busy. Um, But with us, it is often our own voice, our own inner voice that that rises up within us, telling us to, to leave Jesus alone and don't waste your time. And look at all the people who claim to identify with Jesus, look at how they act. They can't help you. This this Jesus can't help you. But I'm proposing today that God is not too busy for us and that we need to not allow our own voice to stop us from coming to God and accepting his invitation to this place of peace and healing. So let's let's look again at how does this this um this shame show up in our language? How how does it show up in our lives? Well, you might hear people say things like, you know, I'm embarrassed by how little I've done with my life. I feel stupid and inferior when I compare myself with other people. My uh, 25th class reunion is next month, but I can't show my face. I just can't measure up to... To what a good wife, husband, or parent should be, I feel like a fraud, and sometimes I act like I'm better than others so they will think I'm important. Or if, if people at church really knew me, they would be shocked by what I really think and feel. I never feel like I live up to what is expected of me. I think I was a disappointment to my parents. The writers of this book say that Not good enough is the feeling that all these people have in common. Each of them lives with a nagging voice that reminds them over and over that they are flawed and unworthy. So they have this inner critic that devalues them. Now I, on, in interviewing people on the podcast, I have um, encountered a gentleman who shared with me this very... The same experience that, and he, he was a, a severe alcoholic and he almost died from alcohol. And um, he shared with me that when I asked him, Well, why were you doing all this drinking? And he said, Well, I felt that I wasn't good enough. I felt that I wasn't, you know, good looking enough. I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't smart enough. Nothing about him was enough and he said he actually felt this in his body so let me just turn for a moment and think about the origins of shame in our lives shame I believe can come from a variety of, res- of, of resources of for instance, harmful teaching. You may have developed a poor image of God from childhood. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, perhaps you view God as a childhood, as one who, who is looking to condemn you and punish you and send you to hell as soon as you mess up. I think this is a poor image of God. And some of us have that. That is the idea of God that we have in our heads that we've carried from children and it's caused us to (laughs) reject God. Excuse me, it's caused us to reject God, reject organized religion and turn to other things to, um, to meet our needs. So you have harmful teachings. Then shame can originate from things that were done to us, harmful events in our life, things that were done against us, sins against our personhood, against our humanity, things that violated us and, and things that that um, caused us to, to experience something that was dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, especially if it happened in our childhood, we may uh, think that something is inherently wrong with us and that we're not good enough and that we deserve what we got and, and this is our reality. So we have harmful teaching, poor images of God. We have things that were done to us, against us, that cause shame to rise up within us and stay with us through our childhood and into our adulthood. Then there are things that maybe we have done ourselves. Things that we are ashamed of and things that we are unable to forgive ourselves for. Forgiveness is difficult. can be difficult. If you can't forgive yourself... Part of our not being able to forgive ourselves is because we have, we can't comprehend the forgiveness of God. We have a poor image of God. Our intellectual capability doesn't allow us to grasp the reality that God is a forgiving God. So we think that God is not a forgiving God and he's waiting to send me to hell. And if God doesn't forgive me, I can't forgive myself. So we have harmful teachings, poor images of God, uh, uh, things that have been done to us, against us, things that we have done that cause us to be unable to forgive ourselves and, and, and contribute to the perpetuation of shame, the reality of shame. We continue to carry it and burden us down. Then the question comes up of, well, what do we do to cover our shame? How do we respond to it? And I'm reminded of the biblical story of Adam and Eve. The Bible says that when, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So here's how they responded to this new, newfound shamefulness. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I must say this, they tried to cover up their own mess. And this covering was an inana- inadequate covering. And later on in the story, God provides them With an adequate covering. This self-covering has been referred to as as man's first attempt at religion. So what do we do in response to our shame? Well, some of us drink ourselves as like the gentleman I mentioned earlier. We drink ourselves into a stupor. He almost drunk himself to death. It was a miracle that he didn't die. Some of us medicate ourselves with drugs and alcohol. In response to our shame, some of us hide it. We never confront it. We act like everything is all right and will never change. We learn to suppress it. And suppressing the shame and never confronting it or never trying to understand it contributes to the perpetuation of this burdening personal shame. So my my point today is simply this We do have a choice We can either make unhealthy choices Or healthy choices Relative to this shame The presence of shame in our lives In our minds, in our hearts The unhealthy choices Perpetuate, continue Feed the shame. But the healthy choice, I think the starting point of the healthy choice in response to this overpowering shame would be for us to first imagine God instead of the one who is waiting to send you to hell and punish you for your imperfections. Imagine God as the lover of your soul. The one who actually loves you. No matter what you've done or what you've experienced. The healthy choice includes an act of repentance. Yes, repenting, turning from sin. But I'm also talking about turning from continually embracing this shame and despair turn from that and turn to and embrace this healing love of God that I'm talking about right now. So my point is that the healing of our image of God is at the core in this transformative process, the healing of our image of God. I don't know what you heard as a child, but you can investigate for yourself. We shouldn't draw conclusions about God based on what we see people do, people who claim to be Christians, because I'll tell you right now, you're going to see people identifying as Christians doing some very ungodly things. But don't let them deter you from God. You need to find out for yourself. This gospel is to be experienced personally. Not just learned about or heard about. You need to experience the transformative power of God. And you say, well, Reverend Glover, I don't go to church. So you know how how do i experience the 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 revelation the experience how do how do i get to know god well i would suggest that you start out in two ways one through prayer invite god into your life say you know tell god that you that you want to know about him you want to know for real, sincerely. And you can't be in a relationship with somebody if you don't talk to them. It just doesn't work. And the same goes for your relationship with God. You need to talk to God. And as you speak to God, God will speak to you. In more ways than one. He'll, he'll speak to your heart as you pray. But God also reveals his intentions and his, his uh, self-disclosure. Tells you all about himself through the scripture. And through the scripture, he extends an invitation to you. An invitation to this place of healing. For instance, in Revelations, the third chapter in the 20th verse, and you can look it up. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's an invitation. God knocking on your door, wanting to come into your life, but you need to open the door and leave it open then there's, there's Matthew 11:28 28 to 30, the gospel of Matthew. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These words represent an invitation from God, an invitation to be in communion with God, in relationship with God, and to be healed by God, to heal your sin, to heal your shame, and to bring you into a place of wholeness and right relationship with God. But if you never read the scriptures for yourself, you go what? buy what everybody else tells you then you might not get it right so let's go to the primary resources of prayer and and searching the scripture I'll give you one more 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 if you never read this look it up it says this therefore and this is this is speaks directly to all the shame that we hold on to. He says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. You know, the Bible early in the biblical text is a story of God calling his people out of slavery. And God still does that today. He calls us out of, he invites us out of that, from that, which enslaves us. Whether it's shame, despair, other sin, whatever it is that's enslaving us, that holds us in a paralyzing grip. That's what God is calling us out from. So, my subject today was can embracing the gospel heal our shame? So in answer to that question, let me say this about the gospel. I don't know what you heard or what you think of when you hear the word gospel. But the gospel is referred to as the good news. Good news. The gospel is a message of liberation, freedom, salvation, and rescue. Yes, I am thankful for this good news. Why do you say that, Reverend Grover? Because as a child, like many people, I somehow had this image of God who was ready to condemn me. All I believed I was going to get from God was punishment. Yes, that was the inaccurate, embedded theology of my youth. That's how I was either uh, implicitly or directly taught about God. But now, for me, today... The gospel represents a message that invites us all to a place of love, freedom, justice, peace, reconciliation with God and each other as well as personal and social healing. The gospel, this good news, invites us to embrace a spiritual gift and empowerment from God from which we can love God back and we can love our neighbor we can love ourselves and not only that but then be agents of change in our community and in this world so yes the poor image of self as being totally unworthy of God's love and, and this poor image of God that, that views God as someone who is just waiting there to, to, to condemn you and to punish you, all of that can be replaced with compassion for self and replacing the image of this condemning God with one who loved you while you were deep in sin, no matter what you did. Or what you are doing, God loves you anyhow. God doesn't like sin, He loves you. So then, in closing, I invite you to prayerfully search the scripture to allow God to reveal Himself to you, God's self disclosure comes through the biblical text, through the Bible. If you've never read it, I would invite you to to begin with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And pray with it. Don't read so quickly. Read prayerfully, asking God before you pick up this Bible to read it, ask God to speak to you through his word. I invite you today to trust God's leading you, trusting that God will lead you to a place of healing. And you will experience, not only read, him showering you with his love. The Bible tells us that God is telling us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And never put to shame. Well, beloved, you've been listening to Faith Talk. I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover. If you have any questions or you would like to speak to me directly, please visit the website www.rev.jstewartglover.com where you can leave me a voicemail and I'll get back to you. You can send an email you can um, register as a guest on the show and, and join the email list. I would love to hear from you. People from around the world are hearing these messages. And people are reaching out with an interest in in, in um, further dialogue. So today I thank you for being part of this listening community. I'll see you next time. God bless you.